0: Woodhouse Nissan makes shopping for your next vehicle simple. Browse our inventory, apply for financing, and more from the comfort of your own home. Right now, receive 0% APR for 36 months or 1.9% APR for 60 months on the 2023 Nissan Rogue SV. With approved credit, tax title license extra, 299 doc dock fee due signing. When financed through NMAX Infinity LT, discounted price based on sale price of $31,620. VIN number PW351338. Offer expires to $2924. See dealer for details.
1: I'm Bob. Next to me is Kyle, as always. Yeah. We are Buchanan Service Centers at 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge, and guaranteed brakes, 49th Avenue at Dodge. So stop in, see us, and see if we can help you get your car back on the road. Follow us in your uh, you know, your podcast that you use, whatever it is that you dial up there. iHeartRadio will probably be the first one I would think of, because that's what I use. But uh, your whatever you use, catch us if you don't get to us every weekend. So you want to catch up to see what's going on.
2: No excuses. No excuses. We're worldwide nowadays. Yeah, yeah.
1: A lot of information, you know. We, you know, and there's always things that we learn every every week. Every week we learn something new. You, you know, tell it, me about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's uh, there's not everything where you would think car repair would be cut and dried. Here it is. This part's bad. Put a new in. There you go. it's just so many things that are intertwined anymore, especially with electronics. You know, everything has to interconnect with something else and um, when it doesn't interconnect all of a sudden things don't work right It just depends on what that is A lot of well-placed theory it is you know and I had a conversation with somebody the other day that you know during this cold snap a, a battery went dead and when it goes to low voltage which we've talked about before um, things the modules just don't know what they're doing Are, am I on am I off and then all of a sudden now it's 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 ratcheting back and forth and it finally mm-hmm. goes dead. And then they have certain things in there where, where you know, people kind of call them handshakes you know it's got a it handshakes between modules, and when all those modules twenty thirty modules go dead, when you put the some battery of them
2: take some time
1: yeah, when you put the battery back to them, they don't just all come up and say, "Hey, I'm talking to you again now it's it's uh takes a while. you know we had one not too long ago where I think it was a a fiat a Chrysler product that mm-hmm. they just let it sit, yeah. And it went so dead that every module in there just went down. And when we put a different battery in it, got it charged up, got it ready to go, nothing would work. Mm-hmm. So we had to have that car completely reprogrammed like it came from the factory. All, yeah. be- all because they let it sit and the battery went dead. That mm-hmm. was it. That, that was all that happened. And oh. now we kind of know what that is and we kind of warned them and said, hey, uh, you know, it's, it's a car that doesn't move all the time. Said, so, well, you need to get out there and start that baby. And make well, yeah, sure it I mean, doesn't go dead or put up
2: the basis of electronics and modules. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't have power, all you got is ground, and guess what? Any power that's in these capacitors, yeah, it's going to find its way to ground. Yeah, and when that happens, it takes the memory with it, mm-hmm. and, and now
1: it's got to relearn. Not only do you mm-hmm. get it up and going, but now it's got to relearn what it's doing. I don't know that idle is 700 rpm, uh, I want it to be at 1500 rpm, uh, and so it just you have to let it sit in idle. But that's kind of the first car we've ever run across that's completely lost every bit of brain activity, so to speak, until mm-hmm. we gave it back what to think and, and how to move and what to do. So, that's, like I say, that's just always something interesting that we that we learn just a little bit. You just never know. Here's something, Kyle, that I found that I thought was super interesting. Anybody out there that got a, a low mileage... 2002 Ford Focus. We've done this before on different cars. It's got 117,000 117 miles on it. Okay. It's, it's on it's on sale in the used market. So, if anybody's looking to do that and want to, you never know. Just
2: like our Neon we talked about with 6 it's, miles.
1: It's in Sensible Auto Sales in Caspell, Montana. It is it's one of their inventories at the dealership there. So, I know you might be interested, Kyle.
2: You got the number?
1: And I'm sure.
2: <laughs> well, I'll call him. I'll get him
1: on the show. <laughs> well, they're looking to get 20 grand out of it. I don't know. I don't know what it was new. <laughs>
2: I think it was 18,000 new. <laughs> All right. Now we got to get him on the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: talk I don't about know. this car. So I'm just like that. What was the last one we did? I don't know what it was, but it was somewhere in Florida. So well, let's head over to Joel. Joel's got a 2016 GMC Sierra. Joel, what's going on today?
3: Well, I got two issues. Uh, first one is so um, bought this used. I don't know the trailer pulling history, but um, all of a sudden, out of the blue, the trailer service uh, indicator will come on. Trailer, I'm sorry, trailer brake mm-hmm.
4: mm-hmm. service
3: indicator light will come on, and it'll start dinging. And I can dismiss it, and it might stay off for 10 seconds, and it'll come right back, start dinging. I can dismiss it. It'll come back, and it'll do this sometimes for two, three, four minutes, and then it'll quit, and then it might not happen again for seven, eight months.
1: <clears throat> and, and that's just on, so nothing's hooked up to it?
3: You're right, just driving down the road. Okay, yeah.
1: got it. First place I would look is back there at the trailer hitch, or not the hitch, but the seven-pin connector. Uh, which I'm sure you have, but any kind of corrosion can happen back there, and it's also got a pigtail that comes off of that. It goes up to that splitter that's up on the frame. Yeah, up underneath the spare tire. So I'd probably drop the spare tire down, and then it's like about a, what, 6 or 7 or 10-inch yeah, pigtail. it's a short
2: pigtail, but it goes into, like, all your tail lights will plug into this It's a junction. And your trailer. Find a lot of green connections back there. Mm-hmm. I mean a lot because it's. Very back of the vehicle, it catches everything. It catches all the and, salt. You know, most of the time you can just pull those apart and you figure it out right away.
3: If nothing else, and maybe just go ahead. Like just spray it with some some electrostatic spray or something.
2: Um, maybe sometimes you get into more than that. Yeah, where you, you might, end up replacing parts and connect.
1: You might be trying to isolate this. So go back and and look inside the seven pins. See if there's anything in there, and then kind of drop the spare tire down a little bit. Not out. You don't have to drop it out, but. Uh, pull that connector off, look inside there, and if you're trying to isolate things, you might just tape those two up, leave them apart, mm-hmm. and see if your problem goes away. If it does go away, then okay, now we've got a problem in be- where we've unplugged out to the bumper, and more than likely you replace that particular part, and that's where it's gone bad.
2: They've made it very easy. Okay. GM's yep. setup back there is great. Yep. And... In most cases, I don't know about this particular truck, but I know with, like, the O4 that I had, had that kind of a similar problem. But I just unplugged it and plugged in my tail lights. Yep. You can yep. just unplug them and plug them right in, just do away with that connector altogether.
1: That's the first thing to start with anyway. And then after that, you're getting into wiring diagrams and chasing wires. And you can do a lot of visual inspection from that that junction box back there has to have a bunch of wires coming to it. And if this is a Sierra, it has a. Uh, does it have his own trailer brake, or is this too new for that? What hey, what trailer brake. Did, did somebody add a, a trailer brake to it? No, I
3: think it's. I think it's factory. It's factory. Yeah, yeah, factory. yeah I think it is
1: factory. I'm almost certain that, that was. Yeah. So yeah. if if nothing else, you're following those wires forward to see if anything maybe got pinched, cut. You know, mm-hmm. something along that line. There be but,
2: that module kind of hanging there at your feet. Um, the other thing you can look for down there, because you'll see the trailer brake module hanging there, mm-hmm. sometimes like if somebody's put a remote start or an aftermarket anti-theft system or something in there, sometimes you see them grab powers and things from weird places. They'll, so, grab, they'll grab power sure. from anything they can. Yeah. Yeah because it's easier to get to that than it yeah. is to you know where they need to hook it up.
1: Yeah, we've seen them grab power from the ECM power and next thing you know the, the yeah. it causes a lot of goofy things. It just shifts in
2: the third gear and dies. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it, you'll know right away. You'll see kind of a funky looking connector just kind of in line with the wire if somebody's done something like that. It'll be very noticeable. Yeah. Okay. But, Go back to that connector. I bet you'll find an issue. Yeah, try that.
3: Okay, I got one more intermittent issue. Sure. So this comes and goes again. It can, so it just happened the other day, start the car up, and immediately, it can be sitting all day, start it up immediately, the cooling fans turn on on the engine, and they'll run constantly. And my temperature gauge will stay buried on the low end. It can be in the middle of a trip, and sometimes it'll kick out of it, and then the temperature gauge will come up to what it should be, and the fan goes off. So what, um,
2: that, what that's telling me is that there's you're most likely going to have a code in there, whether it's a hard code or a soft code, for mm-hmm. the thermostat. Yep. It's going to say thermostat below threshold. And the first place I always go with these is the coolant full. Because if it's low... The coolant, it's, say it again. Coolant if, flow, okay. Yep, if it's full... Next thing I'm going to go to on that, you've got a 5.3 in that. On the front of the driver's side head is your coolant temperature sensor. Pull that connector off. If there's any moisture in there from antifreeze seeping through there, anything like that, that's going to cause that issue. Yeah.
1: I I suspect, Kyle, that you've got a thermostat that's going in and out of threshold.
2: Mm
4: -hmm.
1: And as soon as it goes in to that threshold that it doesn't like, the computer kicks the fans on automatically because it's going into protect mode, and that's why your cooling fans are coming on. And that's it thinks it's
2: overheating. It wants to run those fans yep. and do everything, in that's its power to and it's powered. And that's what. That
1: yeah, exactly. I think you're heading more towards a the thermostat. So,
3: okay. Oh. And when I and when that does happen, the the uh, temperature gauge in the on the dash does not move at all. Yes. I mean,
2: that's normal. That's normal. That's
1: okay. Uh, it's normal it's characteristic. Yep. Normal for GM to do that. It goes all the way down to to zero pretty much. All right. Try really that. Better.
3: appreciate the help.
1: You bet. No problem. All right. We're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic show. We'll be back and answer some more calls in a minute. It's a kind of nice day, a little cool, but it's sweatshirt weather. You can still fix it. Let's head over to Stephen. Stephen's got a 97 Ranger. Stephen, have we heard
4: from you before? Yes, you have. Okay. So, per your recommendation preventive maintenance that you recommend for everybody, I changed the timing belt on the 2.3. Mm-hmm. And then I changed the front crankshaft seal because it was, you know, leaving some oil down that front egg crate oil pan situation. Mm -hmm. And everything went together real nice. It drives nice. And now I'm leaving puddles of oil from the back crankshaft seal, I assume. And Mm. it never did before. Hmm. It it never left oil on the ground. It just, the, the front was just messy. Right. The back had. You uh, signs, but it never dropped. It now I'm leaving oil. Um, so in the be- back
2: of this, you can go back by the bell housing. You got fresh oil dripping from inside the bell housing. It's sure. not there's a slot. It's yeah. not running down anywhere, hitting the oil pan, coming to the back.
0: Because
2: so, everything kind of flow? Mm-hmm. These engines are kind of at an angle, so everything kind of flows back when.
1: Yeah, so, so what Kyle's asking, it sounds to me like we sealed up the front so good, it's, it's coming out the back. But what Kyle's asking is that everything is, the engines don't sit flat. They don't sit level. They sit at an angle backwards. So what we want to make sure is that we don't have a, uh, we want to make sure the PCB system is open as far as air getting into the to the uh, valve cover. And we want to make sure the PCB uh, valve is working okay, to that it's actually Blowing the air through the engine, otherwise or, you'll build pressure and blow those seals. Right, right, exactly. So the, the fact that it's on an angle is in the back of the engine. If you had a valve cover gasket that's hard as rock, for example, and it, it's leaking, it's it can been, it can pool up oil it's been back replaced. there. Okay, no silicone. Well, yeah, that
4: that's been replaced.
1: Got it. Okay, we're just making sure that we don't have something running down from higher up, running down, making it look like a rear main seal. So. The next thing would be to what we're talking about is a PCB system. Make sure the system's able to breathe because if it's not, it's going to head towards the weakest seal and that would be the rear main seal or we both of them were seeping just a little bit and they were kind of maintaining what they were because of the age of it. And now we've sealed the front one up so well that it doesn't have anything to do but to head towards that one. I don't think he did anything wrong. I think it's just now a victim of circumstance a little bit. Yeah. What'd you say?
2: Yeah, this is. Surely coincidence.
1: Yeah. Did you, <laughs> okay.
4: You
1: weren't even I got on, it. you weren't even on that end. So, uh, <laughs> but that's why things push back seals. For example, there is a uh, and this has nothing to do with your car, but there's technical service bulletins out on uh, equinoxes and those mm-hmm. kind of vehicles. When it gets super cold, like we had not too long ago, it will plug up the PCV system on the breather side of it, and it'll create so much pressure in the in the seal in it. I understand. Yeah. Very good. All right. Appreciate Thanks. the call. Thanks, Thanks Steve. Okay. All right. We're going to head over to Bob. Bob has got a uh, Jeep, Grand Cherokee. Bob, is that you?
5: Yeah, that's your old buddy, Bob. Hey, Bob. What's it, up? It, well, the Jeep, now the uh, blower motor on, on high is real noisy. So it just looked like a drop out and pop back in deal. So I ordered one. Well, the the two screws are real noticeable, but the one by the uh, kick panel on the right is real crowded in there. Mm-hmm. I know the jazz, the dash was taken out by Jones a couple of times 10 years back or so. And, and, and it looks like, I don't know if uh, somebody moved this big wiring loom down over this screw yeah. or you know repositioned it but uh it's almost not impossible but I'm um, you know I'm 80 and it's a little hard to contort myself to get around to moving all this stuff around well, yeah. have you run into that before or?
1: oh yeah we've ran into yeah. that yeah. sometimes they'll put screws so close to the firewall that you can't hardly get the darn things or they'll, or they'll put it over there underneath something else mm-hmm. and you just have to move it and sometimes what you have to do is resort to maybe a little bit of breakage because it's plastic and there's all,
2: a few parts that i've put a chisel on and hit with a hammer just to yeah it's
1: bad it's you're getting a new one you're getting a new one so when we're we're when we're going to break something, we're going to break the part we're replacing. And the yeah. only reason we're breaking it is just to gain a little bit more we access. We only want to
2: fight it one way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then when you go back together, you can you can make different decisions as going back together with a different screw or a different uh, something that's got a bolt on it or whatever. So it's easier to get in and out the second time.
2: Yeah. Or
1: if it's held on by four or five of them, uh, magically, that one's not going to get back in there.
5: <laughs> yeah yeah well this just well got just three of them on there yeah and and, and it's got so, uh so it needs them all eight millimeter text thing and uh or a thorax uh, but uh yeah i didn't <laughs>
1: yeah just make your life a little easier if you've got to do it and if not you know if you can't get it all the way out get get as much as you can and and then uh you got the part about right, everything else just bring it by we'll, we'll help you out with the rest
5: that, yeah, well, <laughs> that was probably going to be my, my next option.
1: Yeah, Yeah. work out a little bit. It's still a little cold out there to be doing that. But you let us know. We're more than,
5: yeah. more than happy
1: to help you with the rest of the repair. Take that, rest of that screw out and get the other two in. <laughs>
5: oh, okay, guys, I always appreciate your help. <laughs> All right, appreciate
1: it, Bob. Appreciate the call. We're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic show. We'll be back in a minute to answer more calls. Thank you. We are back on the Mr. Mechanic show. 558 five, is numbers to get in. We're going to head right back into the calls. Got a full bank. Dean's got a 22 Maverick Hybrid. Dean, what's your question?
6: Yeah, uh, really enjoy your show. You guys give uh, great information. Thank you. Um I'm 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 kind of old school in the sense uh, I'm calling about motor oil uh you know, what Ford recommends and kind of what my eyes see are two different things. You know, uh, you know they're saying ten ten, fifteen thousand 15,000 miles, which I think is crazy. Um, and I was just wondering, you know, it just seems like the way the new cars are set up is that, Everything's electronic and modules. You don't have any control over, but oil is something, you know, that you can, you can do. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering what your recommendations. And with a hybrid, I realize that the motor's not running all the time, but uh, I, know, I just kind of wanted to see what you guys kind of felt. Well, we, re- what is the t-
1: we kind of recommend um, at least change your oil once a year. A minimum of once a year, especially in this climate where we go up to one hundred degrees and then we'll go down to sub zero, and a lot of the moisture gets into the to the engines uh, when it's sub zero when it's trying to warm up. Uh, so, minimum, we we say that
2: six I, months, six thousand miles. Yeah, that's kind of a where, good rule of thumb with a good synthetic oil.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of where we stick with the synthetic oils is right about about six thousand. Uh, the ten and fifteen, boy, I certainly understand it. The problem is, is that these oils are so thin. And at ten or fifteen thousand miles, if you don't lift the hood, which most people don't, just how much oil is left in the engine? And in a lot of yeah, cases, and is they, none.
6: Is because it's, what, what they recommend? What they recommend is zero twenty, which is yeah, really yeah, that's, really really. Good really thin and I, I didn't know whether to go to a 15 weight i mean
1: yeah no uh stick with what you got no no stick with what you got because it's designed for that it's got variable valve timing with solenoids in there and it needs a 020 to operate properly um, there, okay. there is even now, you know, Toyota's got and some other cars are starting to come out with 016, which is even uh thinner. And I imagine they're going to come out with 010 and zero five at some point.
2: really?
1: Yeah, it, well, the engines are so uh, the tolerances are so tight, you don't want to jump higher than that. You want to stick right with that with the 020. Um, it can go 10 15,000 miles. Um, with base synthetic oil, that's the best oil around. Um, it can go 10 or 15,000 miles if you go through and check your oil on a regular basis and make sure it's full, which yeah we see in yeah. the garage that most people don't do that. And when you're only putting four or five quarts in at the end of your oil change at 15,000, you're not going to have anything in there. And it's bad for the engine to run it with nothing.
5: Well, I, I definitely check
6: mine. I got over 200,000 on two uh, Sebrings with that. Mm-hmm. mitsubishi 2 seven which which uh you know you could probably do a whole show on that one but anyway <laughs> uh, you're right but uh yeah so anyway well thank you very much for your time I really I really enjoyed the show you have a great day
1: yeah appreciate it thanks for the call all right we're gonna head over to uh Fred's got a 99 Jeep Cherokee Fred what's up you there Fred
2: Fred I want to talk about what? a Jeep what?
1: You there, Fred?
4: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Can okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you.
4: Okay, good. Uh, my horn stopped working. I checked the fuse. It's okay. I checked the uh, uh, relay. I switched it with the relay next to it, and uh, I can't get any horn. Do the horns usually go bad?
1: Well, they can. Sure. Um, but what? What else? what else on your steering wheel don't work?
4: Uh, everything on my steering wheel works, and I, I even rotated it to see if it wasn't that clock spring thing I've heard about okay. uh, by pushing pushing down on that, but it's got an airbag, so I hate to mess with that.
1: Yeah, and, and Chrysler's pretty good or Jeep's pretty good for airbags, but to answer your question, yeah, the horns can go bad. All you got to do is go out and find the horn and, and add a, uh, if it's a single wire system, just add a power to it. Yeah, just or make a, a
2: jumper wire from your battery and just hit it once, it'll yeah it'll make noise.
1: If it's a two wire system that goes out there, which I don't think it is I think it's just a one wire yeah, and it yeah. should ground internally. The Asians the have frame. two wires, but yeah, you should just be able to go power to it and see if it honks normal or not. And uh
4: Okay. If it does Yeah, you don't I haven't have any of that. I haven't done that yet. I haven't done that yet, and I haven't tested to make sure that I have power to the horn yet. That was the next step, but it's under the car and, right. and it, okay.
1: And if it gets beyond that, let us know. I mean, it's something that what we do is hook up a scanner to it, and then we can manually go through a scanner and we can honk horns, turn wipers on, do a lot of different things uh, without having to go through all of that. It goes goes right through the scanner, and then we just kind of back engineer it from the from the module or from the horn all the way through the. The horn, the relay, the fuse, up to the steering column, and then that's how we kind of oh, figure out what the on, problem. Oh,
4: even on even on a, a ninety nine, that's old.
1: Yeah, yeah. Got, okay. Technology is amazing.
4: Okay, great. Love your show.
1: Thanks, Fred. Appreciate the call. Thank, thank you. We're gonna head over to uh, Dean. Dean's got a two thousand two Duramax. Dean, what's up today?
7: Uh, I've got an issue with the uh, fuel pressure regulator. Uh, I got a scan tool, you know, it tells me that uh, that system's bad. I can uh, clear it, and it'll clear for a while, then it keeps coming back. Uh, the next procedure is checking the fuel pressure. If I buy a good scan tool, will it tell me what the fuel pressure is when it's running?
2: I doubt it on that one. That's pretty old for that. I mean, most of the time when we can look at fuel pressure on a scan tool we're talking about a very high pressure system you know do we have
1: yeah you know 5000 fuel pressure
2: sensors on this rail that's something we're going to uh, need to know and that you can just google you know 2002 duramax fuel pressure sensor if it's got that sensor odds are you know maybe we can depending on how deep the computer really cares about line pressure at the fuel um, otherwise, okay. on a diesel, there's gonna be oh, right around your filter up by the engine, there's your pressure line coming from the tank and it should be some kind of a banjo bolt and you pull that out. Uh,
1: still kind of mechanical and kind of coming up on um, digital or where you can see it okay, yeah, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably, right. I'd probably contact a contact a shop that does just specifically Diesels. And ask them that yeah. question, and be able to if you can get a scanner and see it. If you're if you're thinking about doing it yourself, or or having them to kind of take a look at it.
7: Oh, I'm a stupid do-it-yourself guy. So yeah,
1: well, you know, a lot of times if you if you call them and ask them, they're more than happy to to uh, just give you a quick you know in-and-out kind of answer.
7: Yeah. Do you do you know where that fuel pressure regulator is on that motor?
1: Most of that stuff is kind of yeah. down in the middle of that engine. That's kind of yeah. where it sits.
7: I, yeah. I watched. You know, a bunch of uh, YouTube videos on how to remove it and stuff. It shows you how to take everything off of it, but in the actual removal of it, none of them have it. It's because it's a pain in the butt.
1: Right, right. There's a so lot.
7: I just kind of uh, just, just laugh at them because they make it sound so easy, but they don't show that.
1: No, it's it's not easy. There's a lot involved in getting that stuff apart. On any diesel engine, when you start going down to between the V of the engine, that's where they pack everything and uh you're right there's nothing (laughs) easy about it so all righty well thank you guys you bet appreciate the call all right we're gonna take uh we're gonna take a break answer another call all right we're gonna take a quick break then we'll come back and answer a couple calls left online be right back all right we are back on the mr mechanics show we are buchanan service centers 50th and dodge 80th and dodge guaranteed breaks 49th avenue and dodge we do breaks right the first time stop in see us we'll help you out with your car we're gonna head over to Dan. Dan's got a uh, 08 Subaru. Dan, what's what's going on today?
4: Yeah, I took uh, Subaru to a mechanic, and they have the uh, cruise control idiot light come on, and uh, low pressure tire pressure light come on. And they said after they hooked it up to their machine that it was a catalytic converter. So my question is, what do those two things have to do with a catalytic converter?
2: Okay, so... It's a Subaru. That's what it has to do with it. And Kyle will tell you exactly why. So on Subarus, anytime that there's a check engine light or any kind of emissions code that sets, whether it be hard or soft code, whether the light's coming on or not, if there's a code in that computer, it's going to disable the cruise control right away.
1: And Subaru is one of the only ones that does it. Nobody else disables the cruise control.
2: Yeah. You disable cruise control, it's going to turn on... You know, eventually when it goes to be a hard code, you're going to have ABS lights, flashing brake lights, every light on the dash that it can throw at you, you're going to get. So, they diagnosed it as, you know, probably had a PO420 code in it. And, yeah, go on to diagnose it as a converter.
1: So, those people that live in bigger cities are going to want their com- cruise control back. Therefore, they're going to fix it. Those mm-hmm. people that maybe live in and don't use the cruise control, it's a problem they live with. But that's... Uh and there's no, really no way to go around that. You either fix it, solve the problem, get your cruise back, or you don't.
4: So you truly have to replace a, a catalytic converter.
2: You do. You do. And it's not, oh, okay. a, it's not yeah, a... you got to get those codes out of it. you got to get this car talking right. So, for example, oh. to, for example, a lot of
1: cars, when the check engine light comes on, it disables the... Uh, traction control and skid control. Those are two that go away when the check engine light comes on because it, it doesn't want those to work. Uh, so a lot of times you won't have just one light come on the dash. You'll have multiple lights come on the dash. And like, and like I mentioned, Subaru is the only one I know of, at least right now, mm-hmm. that will disable the cruise control when the check engine light comes on.
5: Okay, much appreciated.
1: You bet. That's, isn't that interesting? yeah kind of makes you mad a little bit you you know know, and but
2: (laughs) when this this first started coming around you know people would come in and they were i mean anytime a light comes on i mean you swallow your spit oh god the car's broke down yeah and you know it looks it makes it look like a giant problem when i mean
1: well certain fords uh i I forgot
2: my gas cap and it disabled half my car
1: i know i know certain fords because you know a lot of times when we get into car because we're going just you know around the station or whatever and and all of a sudden, the radio quits. It's like, what happened there? And uh, they tied the seatbelt into the radio. So if you want to listen to your radio in some form, you're going to do it safely. You're going to put your your <laughs> seatbelt on. I don't care. And that's just the way it's going to be because, you know, driving around with no radio on is only for a few people. That's not for everybody. So uh, that's one way that they have done that. And I'm surprised the more manufacturers haven't got together to to force people to, to fix yeah. other things. So. All right, we're going to head over to Travis. Travis has got a 2002 Subaru. Travis, what's up with yours? Cruise control?
8: So, no, no cruise control problems. All right. um, you guys helped me uh, earlier. Uh, I called about my crank no start, and uh, I heard fuel pressure gauge up to it, had all that. And uh, what it ended up being, I ended up taking it to a shop and because uh, I couldn't check the, the fuel injector pulse because I had to get it through the wiring harness you can't get the injectors on these motors. It ended up having a corrupt computer and the, the shop was able to fix that problem, which was crazy. But um, to the point of some of the other callers, I, I heard you guys mention the, the 10,000 mile uh, motor oil changes and uh, I've actually changed an engine in a uh, 2012 terrain that the person ran it out of oil doing those long oil changes because it had yeah. that 2.4 liter that uh, burned oil. And, um, and then... Uh, Right now with my Subaru, one thing I, I have noticed is uh, the turn signals don't work. 2002 turn signals. Uh, the 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 um, hazards work, but not the turn signals. And when you turn on the turn signals, you can hear the flasher down uh, relay down in the dash, kind of making a buzzing noise. Mm-hmm. And I tried to change out the flasher relay, just a quick thing, and that didn't make no difference.
1: Did you change so did, I, did you change it out with something in the aftermarket or, or Subaru wise?
8: So I had a, a parts car a Subaru that oh. had one that didn't work. And then, I so I tried that one first, and then I bought an aftermarket one, and neither of them worked.
1: Okay. I'll, so I, 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 like, I will tell you that um, when it comes to these electronic uh, turn signals and, excuse me, the, the flashers and things like that, it you almost have to go back to exactly what it was mm-hmm. in order for it to work right. It's very specific. And any aftermarket ones, like we used to use... Try to use them in Fords, and they would never work. We'd always have to go back to Ford to get the exact one. The problem would be over.
2: Odds are you probably got a turn signal switch that's going bad. You're getting low voltage down there. That's why you're getting a buzz instead of a hard click. Yeah. Um, Very good. And, you know, with that kind of age on your car, it's not surprising at all. We do a few of them, not a lot, but that would be where I would look. You can take the steering column apart and just check your voltage going out of that switch. You should have 12 volts going in. You got to have 12 going out to that flasher. If you got anything less than that due to breakdown internally in that switch, it's going to cause that issue.
1: Yeah, ba- plastic bag connections, maybe melted connections. Look for those too.
8: Yes, uh, very good. And then just another comment I had on my uh, Toyotas for that last caller. On my Toyotas, if any check in light comes on, it automatically turns off the traction control and turns on your ABS light. So I have yep. seen that on my oh, Toyota. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the so. three lights. It, it didn't come on with one anymore. It comes on with three. And I think I had a car the other day that came in, and it had like five. Yeah. I said, all five yep. of those came on? She says, yeah, all at one time. I said, okay, well, here's, it's just a newer car and uh, grabbing everything it could. So, Like we say, every yep. year we get a new light. We get a new light. <laughs> appreciate
8: yep. Well, I thank you guys for having the show, and I thank you guys for your help.
1: We appreciate you listening. Thanks for the call. All right. That's another quick boy we answered all the calls yeah Woo. all right we'll go through next week all right five right. 558-1110, the numbers to get in next week get in early so we can answer all your calls get you back to repairing that car i'm bob kyle we'll see
0: you next week Woodhouse Nissan makes shopping for your next vehicle simple. Browse our inventory, apply for financing, and more from the comfort of your own home. Right now, receive 0% APR for 36 months or 1.9% APR for 60 months on the 2023 Nissan Rogue SV. With approved credit, tax title license extra, two ninety-nine dollars dock fee due as signing. When financed through NMAX Infinity LT. Discounted price based on sale price of $31,620. VIN number PW351338. Offer expires 22924. See dealer for details.